0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Well, ho, 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 where did the year go? I don't know. We're almost at the end here. And, uh... I don't know about you, as I get older, the time goes faster and faster. I look at my daughter, and I don't know how tall she is, but over four feet. She's going to be pushing five feet before you know it. I'm pretty sure, anyway. Tall. Supposed to be a baby. She even promised me. She promised me she'd always stay a baby. She lied. Lied, lied, lied. So here we are heading into the Christmas season, the world seemingly on fire. Fire. Big political storm upon us. Whew. Trump following in the footsteps of, of Lincoln being banned from the ballot. This is, I to, I've been telling you this. What did I say is the simplest, cleanest way to rig the election? Just leave people off the ballot. This is what they do in Russia, Iran. You go and you vote for Putin, there's no other choice. They say they got 98% of the vote. Yeah, because everybody was forced to go. The few 2% that got some kind of a waiver, you know, because they were an amputee or something, they didn't vote. But when they go to the polls and they say, you know, Putin got 98% of the vote, it's not because Mulvaney was the other option. (laughs) And here we are, right here in the United States of America. Once again, the dirty Democrats doing the dirty deed of leaving people off the ballot. But rest assured, it's a trick that the Republicans use as well. Anyway, I don't want to talk about politics right now. It's Christmas time. Let's talk about something different. As a matter of fact, I want to do a lot of talking about something different as we move forward. Uh, I've been thinking about this pretty carefully here. As you know, I like to reevaluate at the end of the year. It's just something that I do. And uh, I kind of chart my course for the year going forward, and I usually set up some goals for the year and things like that. A lot of times I already have it set up year-over-year goals, and I just roll into that. This year uh, is kind of a mix. I definitely have things in motion already for for 2024 I'm very excited about. Uh, I don't need to go into the details right now, but... Um, I kind of have that stuff but I, I like to do a little reevaluating and one of the things I've thought about carefully just overall so that includes the podcast And as far as you know looking back on the podcast and, and reevaluating there's just a few broad goals that I've had for a while now and I'm just thinking you know now's kind of the time I think to focus a little bit more on those goals and what what is that? Uh one, I think I need to do a better job of the storytelling and the delivery, um, which on my end requires a little better um, preparation in some cases, depending on the subject and what we're talking through. But I, I think that, you know, I joke about it, the bouncing around, and um, I've never gotten any good feedback on that. And as I've gone back and listened to podcasts, I say to myself, this is hard to follow when you're doing that. <laughs> It's meant to be somewhat of a casual, entertaining podcast. I always say designed to get you th- to think. So, I, you know, I'm not always worried about connecting the dots. Sometimes I do. But anyway, I, I think it would be better if I did connect the dots better. Um, I think I could be a little more redundant, but that's another issue. And uh, I really want to get back to more of a general... Discussion about other things than just politics and the uh, pending New World Order or whatever it is that we're waiting for here. Um, I mean, for one, there's only so much that I can take. Secondly, I, I just... I, I'm looking at the podcast and where I want to go with it, and I think we need to do other things. I think people are interested in other things. I think with that, we need to talk a little bit about more of a positive message, too. I mean, everywhere you turn, it's just, this one's, a, you know, having, I don't even want to say this, you know, the, just the, it's just gotten to be complete mudslinging, completely to the level of the Jerry Springer show. And in the beginning, I thought it was, it was kind of funny. I made it as a joke when I said that. Jerry Springer Nation. Here we are five years later, and it's not as funny anymore. I don't know about you. It's just a, a real crap show of our government, our politics. and I don't see it changing. Not likely. What do you see would be the catalyst to the change? I don't know. I could be wrong. I hope I am. Anyway, as we head into the holidays, there's a little subject I I do like to talk about because I don't think that it's talked about enough, and that is drinking. And uh, what is appropriate and a safe level of drinking? And as much as it's not talked about very much, I think that there's people that think about it an awful lot. I think there's a lot of people that lie about how much they actually drink. Um, and, you know, maybe not to their uh, immediate family or so forth, but as far as letting people know outside of their life how much they're actually drinking, I think there's quite a few people that lie about that. Is that good or bad? I mean, it's just I don't know about it's either, really. Uh, I think if you look at the stats on how much, um, you know, alcohol is consumed – On a national scale, you know, the volume, it's a lot. There's a lot of people drinking a lot of booze out there. So people are drinking a lot of booze, probably you being one of them. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. You know, do you feel guilty about it? Should you feel guilty about it? Should you care? Let me give you my take on this. And you definitely don't have to listen to my advice, and I'll be completely up front with you. Uh, You know, I would say on the drinking scale overall, what is my level of drinking? Very heavy. Um, Now, these days, I don't drink so much. Um, I shouldn't say that. How should I say this better? I don't drink as as often. Um, When I drink, I like to drink what most people would consider very heavy. I would say heavy. You know, I don't usually have a beer. It's not usually my style of drinking. You know, I'll you know two or three doubles something like that I'm a big guy big guy but it's still people consider that a lot I, you know as in my in my 30s um you know, I would was an everyday every night drinker it's funny looking back on it did, you know go work be up early in the morning out working hard all day doing my thing come home go to the gym work out knock down a few cocktails it's hilarious when you think about it. Um, I don't recommend that, by the way, and, and I think that uh, it is good to consider the health implications. For me, I associated the drinking heavy with inflammation, which I felt was affecting my back. And I'm happy to say with you know, reducing my uh, frequency of alcohol, um, my knees, my back, my joints, I feel like they're doing much, much better. So, But I'll go through my times where I'll drink. Um, interestingly, Christmas time is usually a time that I do tend to drink a little more. And uh, I'm not sure this year what my plan is. Um, I did get a nice handle with some good whiskey. But just in case, you know, you got to be prepared. But uh, anyway, that's just me. I'm not recommending that. I'm not saying that's good, bad, or anything. Here's what I, I would say. you know, The amount that you're drinking is not the issue. If you talk to addiction people, they'll tell you this you got guys that, you know, work, you know, uh, laying brick, go home and and drink uh, two packs a night, and they're not even overweight or anything. Some guys more, you know, two packs a night, dropping a case on a Friday night, guys pounding some beers. They live a lifestyle. Are they alcoholics? I don't know how you could say that, as long as they're not... um, you know, creating any problems, and that's really where the uh, where the problem comes in. And let me explain it to you like this: I'm not I'm no addiction specialist, but I want to just share this with you as a way to um, uh, apply it to yourself. But also, you might see it in others that you have to have a conversation with. Okay, and here's how I like to say it: There's a there's a pain element that people if people are abusing alcohol or, or a million other things, really. Burning themselves, or what are they doing? They're disguising a pain, okay. And let me give you an example. You know, if somebody just gotten their legs cut off brutally, you know, a construction site or something, and you know, they're all wrapped in bandages, and and the bandages are bloody, and you know, the, you know, whatever. You know, what would you expect to see? They're going to be high as a kite on uh, probably fentanyl, right? Isn't that what they would use these days? What would you say to that? It's pretty much expected, right? You look at the amount of trauma and pain that that person is in, and you say, hey, give him the fentanyl. I mean, to me, it would be inhumane not to give it to him, Would you agree? Well, we don't call that person a drug addict. Now, when they can't get off of it, they develop an addiction. But that well, – I, I should have said abuse. I mean, I'm using the word addiction. I meant to use the word abuse. Forgive me. See that? A better preparation that would have flowed better. This all would have made much more sense are you abusing alcohol this holiday season? Here's how you answer that question. All right? Let me go back to the pain thing. People who abuse uh, alcohol or, or other substances, they're masking a pain. And you see a physical pain and you understand that. What you don't understand as well as maybe the person who went through a lot of trauma as a child, you know, that maybe they were the victim, even a child victim, and now they're an adult and they're abusing substances. Why? to hide the emotional pain. And you say, ah, you know, you get over it. Or, But sometimes these wounds are like seriously, seriously deep and screwed up. And I know some of this firsthand from a, uh, a youth group that I dealt with through our church, uh, young adults, and uh, generational craziness, man, that I don't even want to get into the details of. I just want you to know that there's people walking around that are suffering through pain, that they did not have any choice in. And we say, well, you're going know, to you have a choice to take the drugs. Well, of course, of course. And, um, you know, the guy's sitting there with his legs cut off, and you, you don't call him abusing the fentanyl, right? And he may later down the road, but he's still he's masking. He's like, what do you want me to do, man? You got to stop taking it. You're not going to get better. Yeah, but I just I can't get over the pain and the loss of my legs. It's traumatic. Like, you, you, you'd you be somewhat sympathetic to that at least, right? But the emotional pain, we don't see. What is that pain that somebody's abusing it? Now, this comes in like a million different levels and varieties. You know, so you get the guy who, um, you know, maybe didn't get any respect as a kid, or has some emotional trauma, an older brother that maybe, uh, you know, assaulted him physically, abused him physically, uh, a million other things that you might say, you know, aren't on a um, – you know, a super high scale, but, you know, traumatic for people to live through. And what does that look like? Well, suddenly around Christmas time, you know, this guy, you know, he starts throwing down a couple of beers and he starts to get a little self confidence he didn't have. And he's just dropping. And then, you know, his ego gets so full and, um, you know, he wants to drive inappropriately. That's abusing alcohol and, and um, you know, arguing with people, fighting. And that's really how you know if you're abusing it. You know, If you wake up the next day with regrets, then you're probably abusing it. You know, If you're waking up the next day and other people have regrets, and just because you don't remember it, maybe you need to think about it a little bit more. Because you're responsible for your actions. That's how I was raised. And as for me, I can say to you in good conscience, yeah, drink heavy sometimes. Happily, I enjoy it, all right? Uh, who's the golfer, the daily guy? Um, I don't know how he smokes those cigarettes. Good God. Who smokes anymore? But anyway, he's like, I enjoy the whiskey. I enjoy whiskey. You know, like I said, for health reasons, I, I I limit myself. I have my own cap. That doesn't need to be your cap. But the important thing is don't let it create problems in your life. So assuming that you're not the abuser person. But I want to give you a little feedback on it because you may engage with somebody who is abusing it. Let's just say you get that situation where somebody's you know, a few too many, they're getting a little, you know, puffy. and Maybe armed with what I said to you, you can handle the situation a little different. Because if you confront that person and you're going to get puffy with them, it's likely going to just escalate to the point of conflict. And you say, I'm ready. Well, you know, it's not going to go well in most cases. You give, even if you come out on the upper side of it and you, uh, you take advantage of the other person, uh, you hit them. You know, the wrong way, and they crack their head and die, and you're gonna have a big, big problem with that. And you don't wanna be dealing with that um, if there's a better way to avoid it. Anyway, I'm getting crazy now. Back to the booze. Um, Don't abuse it. If you find yourself abusing it, um, either come up with a fail proof way to not let yourself get beyond a cap that's appropriate for you. You know, so you say, "I'm, I'm a two beer guy. You know, once I get to that third, I start getting goofy pack yourself two beers and make sure you don't go further than that. if you can't keep that then you can't do it I would say you gotta get away from people that do it I would say stay away from people that abuse it too because you'll be surprised how you get caught up in problems with it stuff you don't want to get involved in but either way don't let it get you in trouble drink responsibly I know it's funny to sit here and be preaching this but um, uh, I think it needs to be said I see people driving. If you remember, it was about a year and a half ago. Uh, I was rear-ended by a woman who was high as a kite, pills. And it's like I said, I you know, I don't know what kind of pain or trauma she may have been dealing with that she's high as a kite at 6 o'clock in the morning, for God's sake. But you can't be on the road. And you can't either if you've had too much to drink. I recommend, by the way, if you're dr- driving, just don't drink at all is your best bet you know if you're if you're going out and you want to drink uber or get a dedicated driver it's a lot cheaper in the long run it really is the biggest way people get in trouble and for many people a dui is like a financial and otherwise death sentence don't do it the last thing you want to be responsible for is is injuring or killing somebody else right so drink responsibly don't abuse it or anything else, for that matter. It's not good for you. Anyway, with that behind us, my safety briefing for the weekend. You're, you're welcome. Um, I'm looking forward to the future. And uh, you say, man, how do you say that? You know, this country uh, is, in, you know, really in a downhill spiral. I, I am concerned about that. Like, deeply concerned about this downhill spiral that we're in uh, to the point that I'm literally, like, am researching places to move to should have become necessary now don't get me wrong you know we're not packing anything up or anything like that um, I'm hoping this is really unlikely but I've prepared a file uh, I'm not kidding around and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why I'm not Captain America I'm not saying that I gotta get out with any ship And I, you know what at this point um, I don't know that I owe this country anything and the way we're allowing the border to be, I've said this before, it's fine. All the Latin uh, Americans want to come up here and we'll change. I'll go down there. i got no problem with it. Now, there's other considerations, but um, I still, my, my point in all that is, as I thought about this, and like, where are we going with this in this country? Um, I say to myself, I'm not going to let it uh, stop me from doing what I want to do. So... You know, if, I don't know, you know, let's say that all these uh, illegal immigrants suddenly uh, throw a coup. You know, there's so many of them. I mean, that seems to be where it's headed. You're just going to, you know, assimilate, take over. That's going to be the assimilation. Better learn Spanish or whatever. I'd right? say like Chinese are in there. Maybe they're like Chinese fighters. I've been saying this. I mean, I talk about the easiest way to get fighters inside, deep inside of a country. We could talk about that next year if you want. The input. I thought about. See, I, w- I would like to. Um, I've had thoughts on how easy it would be to cripple this country, and I'm like, man, I can't talk about this on the podcast. But you know, if I wrote it as a as a fiction novel, right, it, maybe it would. I could fly that way. I, m- I may consider that. We'll see what happens. I think I could enjoy writing it. Till, um, but anyway, where was I? Looking forward to the future. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just. You know, you know, by crazy nonsense that the Russians launch an EMP on the United States or, uh, you know, the Chinese Communist Party suddenly, uh, these soldiers <laughs> pop up out of the homeless shelters and uh, take over our government and, and put us under martial law or something like that. Um, I would leave, you know, but mostly be my game plan, I think. At this point in my life, at my age, with the family that I have, with our um, lack of tied to a, a bigger community, really, I feel funny even saying that, but that's the truth. It um, wasn't always the case, but it is now. Um, we're kind of vulnerable, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to take on a, a million-man army here by myself. You know, I think people are getting a little cushy behind their, their ARs. <laughs> There's only so much you're going to do by yourself, and you're going to have a hard time. Um, anyway, I don't, that, you know, uh, seriously depressed future is not what I see for myself. And I just thought, you know what? Um, yeah, what do I, if this really goes to hell, what am I going to do? I'm to get out of here. And, uh, I, I say all that just to say to you, I literally thought this the other day. I thought to myself, I forget what was going on. It made me think this. There, this didn't pop into my head as a random thought. I was, I was having some anxiety about something. And I thought to myself, self, you can solve anything. Like, this, this is a I, I was like, what am I, what am I worried about? I think it was um, – I just had a dinner party and how I was going to get back. That's what it was. I'm like, what am I – sitting here, you know, worrying about this, something silly like that. My, my point is I, I thought to myself, I can solve anything. You can solve anything. Nothing holding you back, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, whoever the latest boogeyman is, it's it's, it's a uh, uh, it's an illusion. And one of the things we're going to talk about more next year, which I think that, um, that needs to be said. Uh, all of our problems right now are man-made, self-created, self-created. And what is the answer? Why would I be optimistic about the future despite that? Well, one, there's a lot of great kids out there. And that's something that I would like to talk about down the road. You know, everybody's, ah, damn millennials. Speaking with our, our, the next generation with such contempt, do you realize the foolishness of that? Do people realize how foolish that is? Why would we do that? We must turn that around. We must begin to showcase their best and brightest and promote that as, as something to follow. Maybe that would be good interviews, having young people on. Hmm. Just an idea popped in my head. My point is, as far as optimism for the future, there's a lot of good kids out there, right? Um, a lot of great resources out there. Uh, a lot of great technology. 3D printing, computers, of course, AI, so many different tools. And AI, by the way, I think is going to be um, about the same. I said this before. This is my... This is my call right now, and it's early, so we'll see what happens. I expect AI to be about as impressive as 3D printing or um, self-driving cars. You know, These cars have the ability to stay in a lane and whatnot, but they're not, self, they're not fully autonomous. They have them, right, but they're crashing all over the place. Um, the electric cars, all this stuff. And, and let me tell this story in this, this regard. Very important, I think you could think. About, I'm sure you could apply this to something in your life. Uh, I was talking about early in my home building career. I went to work for my father, and uh, he was building really high end custom homes up in a place called Saucon Valley, up in the Lehigh Valley, around Allentown, Pennsylvania. You ever heard the Billy Joel song? Here we are in Allentown. That was not bad, huh? <laughs> I'll have to see when I play it back. You're like, yeah, that it was really good. Keep it up, Chris maybe we'll incorporate some singing into the future anyways building these uh high-end custom homes and um my father had started this business it was the first uh development we were doing and uh, really selling well and uh, my father came from a big national production builder and um you know got into these high-end custom homes Uh, not really because that's what he wanted to do i don't think but um he saw the opportunity there with the ground and the positioning, and uh, it worked out. We built a home for the CEO of Mack Trucks, uh, some of the um, uh, higher uh, officers at Bethlehem Steel, um, and, and some other uh, air products, uh, vice president, things like that. And a really incredible opportunity working with those people, by the way. I learned a lot. Uh, they all get up early, by the way. That's the first thing I'll tell you. You go in this developments and there's these incredibly expensive homes. You go in there at 4.30 in the morning and see all the lights on. It's it's amazing. Um, Anyway, uh, we're building these custom homes, and my father came from a national production builder, and we used panels and trusses. And uh, this is kind of unique in custom homes to be doing that. Um, Some people would argue the trusses in terms of the quality of what you're getting out of that. Uh, But I think my father wisely thought that, the cost of, of a, a framed construction, few people were willing to pay for that. They didn't see the benefit of it, um, that they were willing to have the engineered product, and there's been no failures of those ever. Um, so anyway, um, but we ran into a problem, and the problem was that on every house, we were throwing away panels or having to pull them apart and rebuild them. And um, I said to my father, uh, I handled all the purchasing for this, by the way, and some field supervision, checking, framing, and so forth, which kind of came with the purchasing role. But um, I said, why don't we just not buy the uh, panels, for example, for the bay windows because they're never working. And um, my father gave me a little pushback, but finally we worked it out. In both cases with the panels and the trusses, uh, roof trusses, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like a pre-made roof, instead set of cutting rafters, instead of an all-or-nothing approach, Um, we used mixed. We used the panels where they made sense and used the stick framing where it made sense. And as doggone logical as that sounds, you will find, more often than not, that human nature does not lead you down that direction. Why do I bring all this up? AI, self-driving cars, 3D printing. Why am I optimistic about the future? Well, Even though AI, I think, is going to be a big flop in terms of, you know, being the great Wizard of Oz, it's not going to be that. Um, It's an amazing tool. And just like somebody is using 3D printing to manufacture some product in their basement and is making a million dollars a year doing it, or now a hospital, you know, has a program that can make a certain thing during surgery that used to blah, blah, blah. And I see more and more opportunities of that coming up to automate and reduce time and inventory and things like that. And um, I see these tools as, as being great. And the people who can figure out where the value is, like the trusses, and figure out how to make it work, like not using an all-or-nothing approach, if they're going to come out on top, that their sales are going to be great, they're going to be great companies. And I think that America still... As far as we've fallen, we still have a lead in the capitalism area and what it takes to motivate entrepreneurism. We'll see. I think it can happen. The key to all that, the key to uh, getting the world to settle down, the key to um, getting our country to settle down, is simply working together. You know, um, Why don't we go ask Iran, why do you want to kill us? Why are you always talking about killing us? Does anybody know the answer to that? I would, would bet they would be willing to provide an answer. And then maybe we say to them, okay, why don't we talk about a solution to this that we can work together? Now, I, there's people who are going to tell you that, you know, you're never going to do that with those people. Um, so that's somewhat true, man. I, You know, there are cases. I've said this too, and there's a line there. Um, so I'm not saying that here we go with the all or nothing, Right. Um, you know, maybe it won't work with North Korea. Maybe it won't work with Iran, but maybe it will work with Pakistan, and maybe it will work with China. And, you know, and maybe it will work with Russia. How amazing would that be? So, I think there is huge opportunities there. Anyway, all this to say, um, be safe. Uh, have a merry Christmas. I uh, hope you enjoy some time with your family. If you are dealing with pain, trauma, emotional, physical. A lot of people do. All right. Um, you know, I, I think to seek comfort is fine. I do get a break from that, get a relief from that. Just be careful what you're doing to yourself in the process and ask yourself, is this really what I want myself to be? And ask yourself this. Do I really need this? Because in most cases you do not. You really do not. One last thing I wanted to mention to you before I let you go. It's Christmas. And I think that just about everybody, as best I can doggone tell, has forgot what in the heck it is supposed to be about. And uh it is about the birth of Christ. A new religion was born that offered salvation to everyone. Everyone offered salvation in a way, right? It offered relief from that pain to say that Christ would take those burdens that you don't have to carry it. And I would encourage everybody to pray, and to read your Bible, and to at least have some basic understanding of that. Merry Christmas. Uh, Christmas is Monday, so unless I come back with some kind of a surprise, it's going to be next Wednesday. I'll see you back then. Maybe I'll fit something in Tuesday. Nah, it's not going to happen. Plan on seeing you Wednesday. It's going to be a couple of days. I'll miss you. Merry Christmas. See you next week.